0: It has been a while since we last saw each other, and I believe it's still going to be a while until we can see each other once again. So we hope that all of you are doing well during this GCQ season and are keeping yourselves and your families safe. But rest assured that we are continually lifting each other up in prayer as a church. We have just finished our missions month, and next week... Believe it or not, we'll be celebrating our 91st anniversary, and we hope that our passion and our calling from our God, from, for our God-given mission has been invigorated. Even if there is the threat of COVID-19 around and we are quarantined inside our homes, the work of God continues. And we as the church, the body of Christ, should faithfully push through with our God-given mission to help bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. So I hope that even though our missions month has ended, we will continually support and do the work of missions, sharing the gospel and making disciples, especially as we turn 91 this year. Today, we are coming back to our series in the book of John. And in our passage this morning, we are going to see something very interesting. Have you ever known someone so well that you think you can tell how they're going to act in every situation? And then suddenly, they reacted in an unexpected and very uncharacteristic manner? Like maybe you have a friend who is usually quiet and reserved and then suddenly laughs out loud in front of everyone. Or maybe you have a family member who is very shy, and then suddenly grabs the mic and sings out loud with the karaoke. Today, today we'll see something very uncharacteristic of our Lord Jesus. We all know Jesus as a gentle, kind, non-confrontational type of person. Someone who responds with control and composure, even when he is being provoked. Never retaliating nor violent, even when people seek to harm him. He remained quiet and submissive, even if he was being treated unjustly by his own people. But in John 2, verse 13 to 22, we see a unique side of Jesus. A side of Jesus, many of us will find hard to imagine or even accept. An aggressive Jesus. An angry Jesus. So angry to the point that words were not enough for our Lord. He drove up the people with a whip and pushed and kicked the tables over. A fierce Jesus. Why did our usually gentle Lord act this way? There must be an explanation. And there is. And so today, let me invite you to get to know our Lord a little bit better as we open the scriptures to John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. Let me read it to you. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 40 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. May God bless the reading of his word. Before we try to understand why Jesus did what He did, let me give you an additional background on the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John can actually be divided into two parts. The first part, which starts in the pro- after the prologue in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, until the end of chapter 12, is called the Book of Signs. The book of signs. And the second part, which recounts Jesus' journey to the cross until his resurrection from chapter 13 until the end of 21, is known as the book of glory. The first part, the book of signs, is an integral part of John's gospel to show and to prove that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Son of God, through the different miraculous signs he did like turning the water into wine, like the healing events, the walking on water, and the others. These recorded signs were vital in fulfilling John's purpose for his gospel. As he wrote in John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Knowing, therefore, that our passage is part of the book of signs in the Gospel of John helps us understand why John writes this unique and surprising story about Jesus clearing the temple so aggressively. It serves as a sign to tell us that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Messiah. Why did Jesus do what he did? The better question is, why was Jesus the only one who did what he did? Why was Jesus the only one who did what he did? And the answer is simple, because Jesus was the one who has zeal for his father's house. A sign that He is the Messiah, the Son of God. And the big idea John wants us to bring home through this passage is this. Jesus' zeal for His Father's house sealed our place in His Father's house. Jesus' zeal for His Father's house sealed our place in His Father's house. So, brothers and sisters, please keep your Bibles open to John chapter 2, verse 13 to 22, as we discover for ourselves this intriguing but wonderful truth about our Lord. First, I want to tell you the Messiah's zeal for God's temple. Verse 13 tells us the start of the story after the wedding in Cana. It was during the time of the Passover. A very busy time in Jerusalem, for it was was an important Jewish festival commanded by God for His people to observe. And so many Jews come from all over the region, all over the Roman Empire, to observe these feasts. And one of the requirements in observing this feast is animal sacrifice. And since many people who go to Jerusalem to observe these feasts must come from faraway places, they are not able to bring their own animal to sacrifice. That means they would need to buy their animals from Jerusalem. And so it was really good business to sell, at the, to sell animals at the temple courts during the Passover festival. It is actually like here in the Philippines during All Saints' Day week. All the flower shops are packed. Our flower districts in Dangwa is jammed for days. And many of those who are working throughout the week cannot cannot buy flowers. And so, there are many who sell flowers outside the many cemeteries during Osen's Day so that those who weren't able to prepare flowers can buy their flowers from the cemetery." And this is a situation that Jesus saw when he entered the temple courts. He saw a large crowd of merchants and traders, money changers, conducting their business there. And this angered Jesus. Immediately, he made a whip from ropes and cords, which probably came from the animals who were tied up there, and used it to drive out all these people out from the temple courts. You see, he didn't politely ask them to leave. He aggressively forced them out. Then he overturned the tables. He didn't gently request his disciples to take them out. Nyasinabe oh, tong mga lame to no. He probably pushed them over as hard as he can and probably even kicked some of the tables away. That is how angry Jesus was with the traders and merchants doing business in the temple courts, accusing them of turning his father's house into a house of trade. You know, there's no other situation in the gospel stories painted this side of Jesus. And by the way, this was the first time Jesus did this. This event happened during the early part of his ministry. And he did it the second time. Again, on the latter part of his ministry, as recorded in Mark chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 21. Before he was arrested and crucified, he did this in the temple courts again. Now, you might think, did Jesus really get angry? Isn't anger a sin? Isn't Jesus supposed to be without sin? Well, let me tell you that the anger that Jesus displayed and the wrath that He unleashed on the merchants was considered holy anger. Holy anger. The people were desecrating the sanctity of the temple. They were disrespecting God's holiness, the dwelling place of the Lord. And that was not acceptable to God. Remember when we studied the book of Ezekiel last year? When the Israelites desecrated the temple with their idols, what did God do? His spirit left the temple. He walked out on them. And then he unleashed his wrath against his own people as well, using the Babylonians as a whip to drive them out of their land. That is how zealous God is for his holiness And for his temple. And that same zealousness was characterized by Jesus. It was not zealousness or anger out of selfish reason, it was zealousness for the holiness of God. In fact, when Jesus did this, his disciples remembered what was written in a psalm. In John 2, verse 17, look at your Bibles. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. This was taken from Psalm 69, verse 9, where David also showed zealousness for the house of God. So much so that David suffered and was alienated from his own people because of his zeal for his Lord. This points to us and to them that the zeal that Jesus possessed for God's temple was a Davidic trait, a sign that He, Jesus, might be the Messiah. Now, what does zeal mean? We have been talking about this the whole time, but what does it mean? The Greek word is zealos which means to have a deep concern for or devotion to someone or something. Or it could mean a strong feeling of resentment and jealousy against someone. You know, there were some during the time of Jesus who were called zealots. They were activists rallying against the Roman Empire. They were zealous against the Roman government. But the type of zeal that Jesus had was zeal for his father's house, a deep concern and devotion for the glory of God. And his disciples saw this zeal as a Davidic trait, a sign, therefore, that he can be the Messiah. The one who will fulfill the prophet Zechariah's vision of the day of the Lord. In Zechariah 14, verse 21, Zechariah said, And there shall no longer be a trader in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Yet, when the religious leaders saw this, they questioned Jesus. They asked for a sign. But that was the sign. Jesus is the Davidic king, the foreshadowed Messiah, who has zeal for God's temple. He stood up against the religious leaders and the merchants and fought for the sake of his father's house. That is the Messiah's zeal for God's temple. And Jesus' zeal for his father's house will ultimately seal our place in his father's house. Jesus' zeal for His Father's house will ultimately seal our place in His Father's house. Now that we see Jesus' zeal as a sign that He is the Messiah, we must understand that the Messiah's zeal for God's temple is also the Messiah's zeal for God's people. Jesus was not only strongly devoted for the glory and holiness of God but he was also deeply concerned and compassionate to the people who longs to be with God The merchants and the traders were not allowed during uh, allowed inside the temple courts they were prob- probably conducting their business in the outer courts at the temple including what is known as the court of the gentiles. You see only Jewish people are allowed inside the temple courts. So the Gentile worshipers of God can only worship and pray in the out outside in the outer courts. But now that it is filled with traders and Jews, it was hard for the Gentiles, the foreigners, the outsiders to offer their prayers and worship God even if they wanted to. And this was of great concern to Jesus. This was not acceptable to him. So what did he do? He drove out the traders so that the people can come and worship God. Jesus' zeal for God's temple is zeal for God's people. The temple was not just so that God can live on earth. You see, God doesn't need a house here. The whole earth belongs to him. The earth is his throne, and the earth is his footstool, according to Isaiah. The temple is not for God. He does not need it. It is actually for the people to be with God so that they may know and see that their God is with them this was the purpose of the temple to begin with in exodus chapter 25 verse 8 he says and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst remember what uh, when we studied the prologue last May It tells us that God, our God, is not a distant God. God is a God who wants to be with His people. And He is always with His people, as symbolized by the temple. But the religious leaders in the temple are preventing the people to be with God. By allowing and prioritizing trade in the temple courts, they were actually alienating the people away from God. You see, the temple was to be a house of prayer, a house of worship for the people to feel that God is with them. But instead, it has become a business district. And this, was not, uh, this is not what God wanted. And so, Jesus comes to set things right. Remember what we learned last Sunday? Mission exists because worship doesn't. What Jesus came here to do is to bring the people, both Jews and the Gentiles, both the righteous and the sinners, both the unwanted and outsiders like us. Yes, we are the outsiders. God wants to bring us back to worship the one true God. And that is why two chapters later when Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman, what did he promise her? He said, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. John chapter 4, verse 21 and 23. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the Messiah who is not only zealous for God's temple, he's also zealous for God's people. Jesus was not only zealous for his Father's house, he was zealous also to bring you inside his Father's house. Brothers and sisters, Jesus was zealous for you. When Jesus drove out those traders and Flip those tables. Jesus was not only standing up for God, He was standing up for you. He was fighting for your place in His Father's house. Let me ask you, have you ever had someone fight for you? No? Well, let me tell you now that somebody already did. Somebody has already fought for you, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is our Messiah who is zealous for God's people, who is zealous for you. And Jesus' zeal for his Father's house sealed our place in his Father's house. Jesus' zeal for his Father's house sealed our place in his Father's house. Now, how did Jesus seal our place in his father's house? Brothers and sisters, do not ever think that when Jesus stood up against the traders and the merchants, it did not cost him. Because it did. It cost him a lot. It cost him his life. You know, when Jesus fought for our place in his father's house, he made lots of enemies. The religious leaders wanted to kill him because of that. He put his life in danger for us. You know, David's experience when he was zealous for God's house, he was consumed by it. Sabi niya sa psalm. Consumed does not mean that he was overwhelmed with feeling, with intense feeling. No, it does not mean that. Instead, when the Bible says consumed, the meaning is closer to its literal meaning, which means to be eaten up. Meaning, David was harmed because of his zeal, even to the point of death. Because he made enemies and his life was threatened. And this will ultimately happen to our Lord Jesus. He will be consumed because of his zeal for God's temple and for God's people. You see, when Jesus drove out the traders out of the temple courts, the religious leaders confronted him. They questioned his authority for doing that. They asked for a sign. They failed to see that the act itself is the sign. His zeal for his father's house that led him to aggressively act against the merchants is the sign. But they were too blinded in their own self-righteousness. So Jesus is going to show them another sign, the ultimate sign. In John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. You know, the religious leaders did not understand this. They probably thought Jesus was being arrogant or he was being crazy. It took so many years to finish the whole temple complex. How can he rebuild it in three days? His disciples did not understand Jesus as well. They did not understand that he was the true temple of God, going to be destroyed by the people, going to be consumed by our sins. Yes, brothers and sisters, just like how the traders dishonored God and kept people away from God our sins have dishonored God as well and has alienated us away from our God but Jesus willingly allowed himself to be destroyed as the temple of God because of his zeal for his father and for his zeal for his people and his zeal for you and me all of whom he loved so much. And three days later, after being crucified, after being destroyed, after dying and being buried, he rose up from the dead. He has rebuilt the temple of God so that the holiness of God will be glorified and uplifted. And so that God's people, you and me, will have a place In his father's house. You see, Jesus' zeal for his father's house sealed our place in his father's house. Jesus' zeal for his father's house sealed our place in his father's house. When Jesus stood up against the merchants and the religious leaders, he stood up for his father and he stood up for you. When he fought for his father's house, he was fighting for your place in his father's house. And when he was destroyed as the temple of God, he was destroyed for the sins of the people of God, for your sins and mine. And when he rose up from the dead, he rebuilt God's house. And when he rebuilt God's house, he made you a room in His Father's house. That is the good news. Jesus' zeal for His Father's house sealed your place and mine in His Father's house. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel. Yes, someone has stood up for you. Someone has fought for you someone has died for you and someone defied the impossible and rose up for the dead from the dead for you he is the messiah the true temple of god and he is jesus christ our lord and savior jesus zeal for his father's house sealed our place in his father's house And brothers and sisters, how should we respond to this wonderful truth? How should we respond to our Lord whose zeal sealed sealed us into his Father's house? The first obvious response is to stand on Jesus. Stand on Jesus. What does it mean to stand on Jesus? To stand on Jesus means to put your hope, your trust, your faith in Jesus. Standing on the solid rock of our salvation. Mga kapatid, do not put your trust on anything or anyone else in this world. They cannot save you. They will not fight for you. They cannot do anything for you. But let me tell you someone who has fought for you and has saved you. Jesus is his name. Jesus already did all of these things for you. He gave His life for you to forgive your sins and rose up from the dead to give you eternal life and sealed your place in the house of God as a child of God if you believe in His name. When you stand on Jesus, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, when you stand on Jesus, you are standing on solid rock. So what are you waiting for? Put your trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. For He is the one who can save you. Stand on Jesus. Stand on Jesus. The second obvious response is to also stand for Jesus. Not only stand on Jesus, stand for Jesus. This means don't just put your trust in Jesus. Give your full allegiance to Jesus follow Him, live for Him, obey Him. And here's the thing, Jesus is worth fighting for. Jesus is worth living for because He fought and gave His life for you. And the Bible already promises that the victory belongs to Jesus. So to stand for Jesus means to live as true disciples of Jesus. You know, the world may tell you, things they say that is right but to stand for Jesus means to means to do what is right in the eyes of God that is what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus that is what it means to stand for Jesus and finally not only should we stand on Jesus not only should we stand for Jesus uh, for Jesus we should also stand with Jesus, which means that as Jesus stood up for us and was zealous for us, let us also be zealous for others, for those who are lost, for those who have not heard of Jesus. Let us not be apathetic. Let us be zealous to bring Jesus to others. Let us tell the world, our friends, our families, our colleagues, that we have a God who fights for us. And we have a God who will fight for them. Telling the world about Jesus is to stand with Jesus. So let us stand with Jesus and run with Jesus as He brings the lost, the outsider like us, into His Father's house. To stand with Jesus means to share Jesus to the world and make disciples. That is how we should respond to the God who stood up for us and who fought for us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' zeal for His Father's house sealed our place in His Father's house. So what are you waiting for? Let us stand on Jesus' Let us stand for Jesus. Let us stand with Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this time. We thank you that we have a God who fights for us, who stands up for us, who has given his life so that we may have a place in your house. Lord, therefore, help us to stand on him, to put our faith on him alone and in no one and nothing else. Help us to believe that He is the only one who can give us eternal life. And not only help us to stand on Jesus, help us to also stand for Jesus. Help us to obey Him in this world that tells us what is right. Help us to do what is right in your eyes. Help us to do your will. Help us to put our allegiance to Jesus. And help us also not to be apathetic. But help us to stand with Jesus, to bring others into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to tell the people to be zealous for the loss, to bring them, to let them know that they have a God who fights for them, that they have a God who has reserved a place for them in His house. Lord, help us to always remember and to have this zeal, of Jesus, His zeal that sealed us, sealed our place into Your house. Thank You for You are our God. Thank You for our Lord Jesus who have fought and died for us. In His name we pray, amen and amen.